The Old Testament of our Bible is sometimes daunting. Scan the pages of the good book and you will hear of genocide, violence, polygamy, and other hard-to-handle issues. Some might think the God of the Old Testament was different than our caring and compassionate Jesus. They are wrong. Our God is the God of the Old and the New Testament, whether we always understand it or not. So why read the Old Testament? It tells us where we've been, it tells us where we're going. We see the beauty of God's love, and it swells with prophecies about Jesus. We love the Old Testament because Jesus loved it. Join us as we continue our ongoing series, Origins, Studying the Bible Jesus Read. Good morning, friends. Uh, I'm Pastor Dale. I'm the uh, lead pastor for City Life Church, one of two pastors. Hopefully, eventually, we'll have more. Um, but I'm excited to be here with you guys today. And uh, when I say I'm excited to be here with you today, I'm just totally lying. Uh, no, straight up. Okay, I've been working. I've been working on this sermon, and it's hard. If we got a dog, I don't know. Just things going on. I've been working on this sermon, and it's really hard. And I'm just going to be straight with you that this is one of the hardest sermons I've had to work on, and par- partially because usually, like, I got this big chunk that I work on, and I just, I just say, well, this is exactly what it's saying, you know? But because we happen to be going straight through Exodus, and we're stopping uh, at the Ten Commandments and going through each one, um, I found myself on a commandment um, that is preached in many churches, and it's just preached straight as is. Um, but I know a lot of your stories, and um, your stories inform the way me as your pastor preaches. And so what that means is, is I know what, I know your relationships with your parents, a lot of you, and I know that they've been hard. And so this means that I am uh, given the task of preaching to you a part of the Bible that's just hard for us to handle today. And so I want you to know that I did my best, I studied well. And then I woke up this morning, looked at my sermon to see how it was. Usually I wake up and I'm like, oh, this is better than I thought. I woke up and I was like, Lord, I don't know. So that's what I got for you today. So those of you who are visitors today, you know, maybe you should come twice. (laughs) Um, But today's message is called Honoring the Dishonorable. And I just want to tell you, growing up in my household, um, let me just tell you some of the rules that were in my household. No chocolate milk. No, no cereal where sugar or corn syrup is higher than the third ingredient, which means we would eat muesli, corn flakes. Uh, like, hey, the, the two scoops of raisins, what's that called? Um, raisin raisin bran. That had too much sugar. Um, plain Cheerios. The sweetest one we could have was Kix. Kix, dude. That was the sweetest cereal I could have. Okay. Um, the peanut butter we had was natural. And you know what I mean? Like, we had the oil on top, and you had to stir it around, and it was so gross. Um, we were not allowed to play with toy guns unless we went to Grandma's house, and then we, were, like, we had every toy gun that you could imagine. Um, the bread had to be multi-grain. Multi-grain. And it had to be multi-grain, and you had to eat the crust. Like, my parents would not cut the crust off. They would say, eat the crust. Um, 
No video games for a long time in my house. We eventually broke them down and got me a Sega much later, um, but there was no video games in the house. Um, so what would I do as a kid? How, how, did I, how did I make it through? Well, I would go to my friends' houses, and, and we would have crustless Wonder Bread with Peter Pan peanut butter. Do you guys remember Peter Pan? There was like so much sugar in that. Um, or we have the Jif stuff, um, maybe the Skippy, and then we would eat that while we played Mario Brothers. Or uh, at my friend Eric's house, they would, they would always like heat up tortillas, and they would put butter and sugar and cinnamon on them. And that's what we would eat, you know? Or, uh, or just like beans. But like either way, like we were, I mean, that's how I honored my parents. I didn't. Um, and, and then we would go outside, and instead of playing with toy guns, we would put, play with real guns. Like, you know, because we had access to them, and we would just play with real guns. And we were always told, it's not loaded, so you're okay. Now, I learned much later that, you know, you can still have one in the chamber and all this stuff, but that was how I honored my parents. Now, let me tell you, I was not a believer. <laughs> um, when I became a Christian, though, honoring my parents became a different thing. What does it mean to honor my parents, who are not Christian, as a Christian now? And uh, I struggled through it, friends. And when I became an adult, uh, let me just tell you, um, I ate so much Count Chocula, Lucky Charms, Tricks, and Captain Crunch. I was like... Like all the things you guys had in childhood, when I became an adult, I ate that stuff. Um, but f- the thing is, is no matter who you are, no matter what your relationship is with your parents, you will always be someone's child. Whether they taught you how to play catch or they called you a loser every day of your life. Whether they were always sick and in bed or they were never present. And so the question is, what do we do with that? What do, how are we supposed to respond? There are people in here whose parents have passed on a long time ago. And the question is, how do we honor our parents still? And should we? Well, if the Bible says yes, then there, we're going to have to figure out what that means. Um, and so today we're going to talk about what it looks like to honor our parents, whether they deserve it or not. And uh, for our translation, buenos días, si necesita escuchar el sermón en español, tenemos dispositivos de traducción para usted acostada de la sala. Today we're going to be in Exodus 20:12. Exodus 20:12. You can pull up your Bibles on your phones. We have physical Bibles over here. You can borrow them, or we have these nice ones in a box. If you've always wanted a nice Bible with like helpful uh, answers in them, go grab one of those. If you have 10 bucks, throw it in the offering. If you don't, don't, and grab one anyway and take it. We want you to have it. Like we, uh, if if we went broke giving away Bibles, like man, that's just a good way to go broke, right? So um, Exodus 20.12, Exodus 20.12, and I'm also going to be reading to you from Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. If you're taking notes, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, um, you'll find that they're very similar. Um, you ready? All right, here we go, Exodus 20.12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, you can just listen or you can pull it up. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. Now, if you're a kid here today and your parents brought you, it was no trick. They didn't know, I promise you. Um, Would you pray with me, friends? Father, uh, we thank you for being the only perfect father that we've ever known. 
While you've done everything for us, um, though, I, ha I have to say we've still been hurt and we've been abused and we've felt struggle. And we're, we're wondering, how do we work through this? So today, God, I ask that you would help us to understand your love for us when we aren't feeling it. Would you help us to know that you are our good parent? God, we don't want to interpret you through our parents. We want to look to you first. Would you help us this morning? May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. I just want to point out, my voice sounds slightly deeper today. I love it, right? You're like, oh, man's preaching today. <laughs> I, I had a cold this week, so I get to sound... What's funny is, like, you put me next to, like, someone else, and I still sound like a little kid. I, I still get the phone call. Can I speak to your parents? All right, so today um, we're continuing our study in the Ten Commandments. And we've studied the first um, several commandments. We've seen one major consistency. And I'll just tell you, this is something I did not see before I really got deep into the study. And that's that slavery is really damaging. Uh, now, we already know that to be true, but we see the extent that the damage of slavery of the, the Israelite people um, has taken its toll and how God in his Ten Commandments has had to respond to it. So, uh, one, the Hebrew people are fleeing the bondage of slavery. They've been in slavery most likely 400 plus years. That's a lot longer than we've been a country, okay? <clears throat> and then this awful season had major consequences. And it's just like racism and slavery have had consequences in our country that echo today. Like, we know this to be a fact. So, um, God had to undo damage done by Egyptian oppression. Um, so first, he gave us our Ten Commandments. So what happened? All right, so first off, Israel was surrounded in Egypt by fake idols, right? Fake gods. So of course, the first thing God would say after 400 of years of them living in Egypt was, there's only one God, and don't have idols. Why? Because they were, they were trained that way for 400 years to have idols and to have other gods. So God is responding to this slavery that they're in. Um, next, Israel had to learn to use God's name rightly. Most recently, we talked about how abused and used the Hebrew people were as slaves and how it caused them to not know how to rest. And so in a response, in the Ten Commandments, God says, learn how to rest. Learn how to, how to find your peace in me and learn how to let me be enough because they had been trained for 400 years. You work every day till the day you die. So, so, so much we see that the Ten Commandments are not only a way to live, but it's a response to what's happening in Israel and what's gone on for all this time. Now, if you disagree with me, cool. I'm just telling you the history and, and, and helping you to see why maybe perhaps God is not only telling them what is a good way to live, but why they should live this way. Um, so interestingly, those who understand uh, chattel slavery in the United States know that slavery destroys families and sets them off track for generations. Um, uh, you guys know that I, I like, because I, I, I love books, one of my favorite books that I read recently was the Frederick Douglass uh, biography, this new crazy long book. And in the very beginning, Douglass talks about what slavery did to him and what it did to him as a, as a family member. So he tells the story of this special trip that he was taken on to a new plantation by his grandmother. Um, he was uh, six or seven. You know, we don't really know his full age because he doesn't have a birth certificate or anything. Now, his grandma, once they arrived at this new plantation, she said, Frederick, go play with the other kids. So Frederick, being this young child, just went and started to play with the other kids. Um, after a few moments, one of the other kids alerted him. I'm quoting this. It said, fed, fed. Grandmammy is gone, fed. Now, what he remembers after that moment of looking up to see his grandmother, 
tears in his eyes, not knowing what to do. He says that he remembers falling on the ground and weeping, bitter boy's tears, as those around him offered him peaches and pears to console him. And he says that he flung them away in despair. Slavery robbed Frederick Douglass of his mother, who he'd only seen four times in his life, and he would never see his grandmother again. His father was the man who enslaved his mom and sexually abused her, amongst other things. His father was the man who uh, hired people to abuse him. Um, So slavery and, and dastardly slave owners had stolen away family and the definition of what family was for Frederick Douglass. It's no surprise. I mean, for me, it's like Frederick Douglass is this great man. And if you read the biography, you'll see he's incredible. He stands up to people, and and he stands up to people that want to kill him. And yet, at the same time, one of the biggest places that you know that Frederick Douglass was deficient was as a dad. Well, why is that? Because Frederick Douglass' dad was a terrible guy who abused him and his mother. Because Frederick Douglass was in slavery and was never taught what it meant to be a father. So if we think over 200 years of our country that slavery could have an effect, imagine 400 years of slavery and what that would do to a family when people see you as property and they just separate you at a whim. They sell you, they move you, they say, we want you in this side, we want you working on this city. There were repercussions of the sin of slavery. And so that's what I'm trying to tell you when we understand that slavery had robbed uh, Frederick Douglass of what it meant to be a father and what it meant to be a son. So here, God knows his people have experienced something terrible at the hands of the Egyptians, and he's offering them a new and a better way. And he says to them in verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that God, your God, sorry, excuse me, that the Lord your God is giving you. So God is offering a better way, right? But to be honest, this is a rough commandment for us, isn't it? Since so many of you have experienced hard things, and you can't do this well without God's help. A, honoring your parents and becoming honorable parents is a challenge for everyone. It's much harder for a lot of the people in this room than others. And if we're just honest with it, if, we just, if we're willing to just take off our masks and say, yo, that's me too, then I think that's going to go better with all of us. If we're willing to say, yeah, I've been wrecked by this, and so I have to respond in a different way. Um, And so um, God here is telling a bunch of exiles in the desert that he will bless them if they honor family. And so today I have four points on God and family. And our first one is this. It's a very very just straight translation, and that is honoring your parents honors God. Honoring your parents honors God. Now, there's no caveats here. Like, this is written in stone. Um, And it makes me squirm because I know so many of these parents. And I know that there are so many imperfect parents. I know there are so many just evil parents out there. And you find yourself saying, how do I do this? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm going to talk less about um, just following this. Honor your father and mother. Um, And I'm going to talk more about how. And like, what the heck are we supposed to do with this if they're not honorable? Um, and so, uh, honor your father and your mother so, they may, so you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So God is saying, Israel, I am giving you a land flowing with milk and honey. Israel has left Egypt. They're, they're on a walk. They're trying to get to the promised land. And God says, I'm going to give you this land, but there's going to be some things that you're going to have to understand or else you're going to just take all your struggles with you to this promised land. 
And so he's saying, if you want to go to this land, and if you want to stay there, you have to respect and put and show deference to those who have been put in authority over you, particularly he's speaking of the family unit. Um, well, first I want to talk to you about that word honor. What does honor mean? Like honor them? Um, so when I, you look at the word honor, um, it's kavad. Kavad. And it's to give weight to something. It says to make weighty. That's basically what the word means. So um, in, in many ways it says to be heavy. Um, so like make your parents heavy is what it's saying. Um, and it's not saying to feed them so much, but it's saying to give them weight in the way you listen to their words, to take weight in the way that they care for you, because they truly should care for you. Should is the word I use, right? Because not everyone has felt that. Um, and so I say to you, we have to show respect, to, to honor, to, to give kavad, to glorify. But this Bible verse doesn't say to mindlessly obey, okay? I want you to hear that. It doesn't tell you to submit to sin, it doesn't say to put yourself in a position to be abused. So I just want to say that. This is not saying someone gets to abuse you, okay? So I'm going to say that over and over again. To give weight and to give honor to someone who is above you is not to allow them to abuse you, okay, friends? And if you're in that position, um, you know the Lord doesn't want you taking advantage. You're giving weight to the people placed above you. Wherever you can give weight to their leadership, do it. That's, very, that's an imperative there. Whenever it honors God to show deference to your parents, do it. When submitting to your parents means sin, then you're not honoring them by complying. Can I say that again? When submitting to your parents means sin, then you're not honoring them by complying. You are enabling them to continue in their sin. Does that make sense? Um, I don't know. I'm still on this like Benadryl thing, so we'll see. But the best way to honor our parents is to worship God and to become honorable people. That is the way that we give weight to our parents. So for some of you, that means visiting your elderly parents, like going and spending time with them. For some of you, this means allowing them to live with you. For others, this means not spending time with them because you have such an adversarial relationship where you come to blows. This is not how you honor them by spending time with them if you know you're just going to get into fights and get into a, a punch out. Now, my parents weren't Christian, and so I had to figure out, how do I honor my parents when I disagree with them so much? Now, many of you know my dad became a Christian about four years before he passed away, but there was a, a season in my life, a long season, where I had to learn what it meant to honor them when they were not believers, and they had very different goals for my life. It was so weird, you guys. My, um, my then-girlfriend would come over, and they'd be like, you want her to spend the night? And I'd be like, yes, but no, <laughs> like, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. No. Um, but when I became a believer, I had to come to grips with what it meant to honor them and to, to actually obey them when I disagreed with them, so long as I was still obeying God. So what that meant is, and many of you know this, the first thing I did when I became a Christian was I threw away all the pornography in my, in my room, um, which when I was a kid, I would like sell it to other kids. I'm, I'm going to be honest. And I, and I gave my parents all, all the beer I had. And it was a weird conversation because I wasn't supposed to have the beer. And I said, hey, I've come to know Jesus. And um, A, I believe that I'm supposed to honor you. And, and so what that means is I want to be honest with you from now on. So here's my beer. And they were not super They were like, thanks. You know, um, but the thing is, I was trying to respect their rules. And so when they would say, um, no going out late, and I'd be like, it's an all-night church event. They would say, no, you can't go. Well, okay, that would be a season where I would say, okay, well, I have to submit to your rules. But when they would say, don't go to church, 
um, you need to do this. Instead, I would say, hey, I, I need to do this. Um, can I honor you and still do this? That would be the, kind of the way I'd say it. Way less mature uh, way than I would have said it now. But I would say more like, hey, this is God's rules. I have to do it. What can I do? But still, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you I was a perfect son because I'm not. And I'm not a perfect father either, but I was trying to respect the rules. Proverbs 23:22. Proverbs 23:22 says, "Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old." Younger people, God has called you to honor God whenever it's possible. Um, excuse me, God. Ha- God has called you to honor your parents whenever it is possible, in His way. Now, society works. When we honor God, this is what he's saying. He's talking to Israel. God is talking to Israel. This is not like an individual thing. Uh, This is my interpretation. I do not believe this is an individual thing. Like, hey, you one person, if you honor God, then all will go well with you in the land. I think he's saying, Israel, if you together honor your parents, then all will go well. Because there will be structure in our society. There will be teaching. There will be learning. There will be growth. Um, But only when it's right do we obey, friends. No matter how bad as a kid, um, no matter how bad you were as a kid, if your parents abused you, I want you to know you never deserved it, okay? And God did not desire you to be abused. I want, I want to say that. Um, now, there's this dude, Tim Challies, and he says it way better than me, so I quote people who say things better than me. Here we go. When parents demand what God forbids, we must defer to the higher authorities of God or government. When parents overstep their bounds and demand obedience of adult children, we may also refuse to obey them. But even while we refuse to obey, we can still give honor. Rather than exploding in anger or making a great show of defiance, we can respond with dignity, calmness, and respect, yet still with iron resolve. This may not make our parents' response any better, but at least we will have been blameless in God's sight. So that's, that's a good word from uh, Tim Challies. Um, now, I just want to give you just a few things, because I... You guys can see the turmoil I've felt in preparing the sermon, but I'm going to tell you a few ways you can honor an abusive parent, okay? Number one, pray for them. That is a way you can honor an abusive parent. Number two, consider the good in them. Number three, learn from and do not repeat their mistakes. Learn from their mistakes and do not repeat them. Um, Most likely, if your parent was abusive, then they were abused, most likely, um, I met with someone recently who talked with uh, a psychologist who works with men in prison who have abused children. And one of the things that's very consistent in what they say is they have felt that to abuse someone else is to make their pain lighter. Isn't that so hard to hear? And so, friends, if you have been abused, then you are going to need to pray extra. You're going to re- need to be more careful with the way you use your hands on your kids because there's something in you that has experienced so much hurt and pain that you might want to pass it on. And, and the thing is, is that we've learned that God changes generations. And if you seek God, then he can help you to get past this. And I'm not saying it's easy, friends. Another way you can honor an abusive parent is to keep your distance. Honor doesn't always mean relationship or enabling. So to give someone weight If the best way you can honor them is to keep distance, then keep distance. Um, Another way you can honor an abusive parent is talk to the right people about it. Um, Maybe you don't need to write a whole book about it. Maybe you need to talk to a therapist. Maybe you need to talk to someone who can protect you. But that doesn't mean everybody should have to know about it. Can I just tell you, that's my opinion. 
And I could be wrong, okay? Um, but I'm trying to help you through this and, and to be specific. I also want to talk about how to, how to honor your aging parents, okay? Um, make sure that they have your attention for seasons. Um, if they suck up your attention, then give them a time frame and stick to it. But still, to give them a time where you spend time with them. Help them with housing. Visit them. The more frequent short visits will be more of a blessing than a long, awkward visit once a year on their birthday. If you frequently visit them for short times and have a time frame, then that will probably make them feel more honored than just coming on their birthday because you have to. Um, Okay, so I got through that. Uh, It's going to be easy from now on, right? Um, Friends, the best way to honor our parents is to worship God and to become honorable people. So our second point on God and family is this. God gives us a church family. God gives us a church family. How could I give a sermon without mentioning that? I want to read to you from Luke 8, 19 through 21. Luke 8, 19 through 21. So Jesus is, um, is out healing amongst the people, and here is what happens. Luke 8, 19 through 21. Then his, mothers and bro- his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not meet with him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he, Jesus, replied to them, my mother and brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. Jesus has done something here that is so countercultural. This is a society that is built on family. This is a society that has family before everything. You get married to someone, they would say your brother um, is more important to you than your spouse. Is that crazy? In this culture, that is the kind of relationships that we're talking about family. So for someone to say church is more important than family, that's revolutionary. Jesus' truest family was the church. It was the family of believers. Now, for many of you, we are your only family. You've fled abuse. You've aged out of foster care. You've come from different places, and we are your family. And so I tell you to lean into the family, to respect the family, to honor the family, to give weight to the family. Um, Now, I, I love this quote from North African Bishop Cyprian of Carthage. This is an old quote, um, like thousands of years. He says this, He who does not have the church for his mother cannot have God for his father. Can I say it again? He who does not have the church for his mother cannot have God for his father. But if the church is truly your family, I ask, what does it look like to actually make that a reality? Well, I'll tell you, it's so hard to do because church is full of broken people. Me and you, man, we got all kinds of issues. Like if I could just have like a big whiteboard to tell you all my issues, you'd never come back. Um, but the thing is, is we come together as a church and we, we kind of just like put our whiteboards out and say, hey, we got issues. Can we be a church together? Can we take off our masks and be a family anyway? Um, and so uh, there's a few things that we should mention. Um, this means that when we tell you what we think you are, when we tell you we think you're doing something that's hurting you, um, it might be cool to listen because we care about you. Not just because we're we're like these people who are, are like know-it-alls or we're these people who like um, stick our noses in business that it shouldn't be in. But what, what if we truly are family? What if the way Jesus sees the church is the way we should see the church as a true family? And so what that means is, is that when I don't see you for a few months, you know I'm going to be calling you and be like, are you okay? Do you need help? Do you need... And you know it's not a few months, it's a couple weeks. First um, Peter 5.5 5 says this, in the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
So we see this family relationship where your elders, in some ways, uh, are supposed to have a certain amount of honor. Let me say this. As your elder, um, as one of your elders, if I ask you to do something sinful, don't give me that honor. Straight up. Like, you're supposed to, to come to me for shepherding. You're supposed to come to me to help you interpret the Bible. You're supposed to come to me because you need uh, compassion and care. But if you come to me and any of our elders, any of our leaders ask you to do something sinful, then um, the best way you can honor us is by, like, stepping up to us. Like, the best way you can honor us is to say, no, this is sinful. Our church shouldn't be doing this. Um, some of you are older than me. And... Uh, some of you are older than anyone in leadership here. And, and I still believe at times you need to listen to the learned wisdom of people around you, but it has to be biblical, okay? Anytime someone asks you to do not something biblical, that was a Yoda quote. Anytime someone asks you to not do something biblical, um, then you don't show us the honor we, des- we deserve because we don't deserve it then. Now, other times your elders are going to be idiots. And I've done stupid things as a pastor many times. And then here is how Paul encourages the younger Timothy to treat people older than him in the church. So if you're younger in the church and you think you're a leader or you want to help, this is how it says you're supposed to treat older uh, men in the church and older women. 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2. Don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. A father, um, as a father, younger men as brothers older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters with all purity. This is, this is once again showing us, like, we are a family. The church is a family, and we are to honor each other in as many ways as possible. And what this means is there's going to be a give and take in the way we work with each other. But so long as we honor God, and we honor each other, and we treat each other with respect, we can do this church family thing. And as we continue to grow, we're going to have to seek family maybe in the more immediate city groups, and so if you're not a part of a city group, I tell you, that's where you're going to find the, the real family because um, God's going to continue to bless our church and we'll grow. Um, now, I've seen beautiful images of family in this community, like real families. And, and in many ways, I want to see our church family reflect those families. Now, I got a friend here who I'm going to embarrass because I'm going to talk about his family, but I love Didi's family. Um, if you guys don't know Didi, that's okay. But I go to spend time with Didi's family and I spend time with his grandmother I spend time with his mother. I spend time with aunties, uncles, friends who live in the neighborhood that never had a family, and they all find acceptance and love with this one family. And I tell you, it's the most beautiful thing you've seen. And and in many ways, this picture of a family where not everybody was born into the family, not everybody was blood relatives, you see a beautiful image of a family where everyone's welcome in that house. That's how I want us to be. I want us to be the type of family where people give us honor and respect because we're so welcoming and loving and welcoming people into our family. Now, um, many times people don't want to be a part of the family. Cool, you can come hang out at our house. That's all right. Now, um, in the same way, our Filipino families, our Hispanic families, man, we've just seen some amazing family in this community. And I just tell you, I want our church to reflect it. I want our church to reflect it. God has put wisdom in this church and we need each other, but only if we function as a family and care for each other and look up to each other and challenge each other and show respect. Because we all tend to do stupid things and we need some outside wisdom, don't we, from a family member. Now, Matt Chandler, he says it this way. Matt Chandler, he's a pastor in Dallas. I like to pretend he's my BFF. He says this. He says, when you're young, you're just dumb. He says, you're just not as smart. And this is why kids are attracted to everything that can kill them. That's why you can put all their toys all over the ground 
And what they really want is the bleach. <laughs> That's so good, right? It's just like every cabinet in the house is theirs to play with, and they're going to go to the one with the chemicals. You're just an idiot when you're a little kid. <laughs> you don't know yet, and you think you do, and that's a dangerous combination. So friends, sometimes um, you are going to be the wise parent for friends in this church. Other times, you will be the petulant child. Often you'll be somewhere in between, but all the time, we are family. And that means we're going to hurt each other. That means your brothers and sisters are going to speak against you, and you're going to have to go back with reconciliation in heart. Because you know what? No matter what, you're still going to be family. And, and you can commit to this church and say, this is my church family that I've chosen. And you know what? New people are going to come in next week. And suddenly your family is going to change, and you're going to have to decide, do I want to be family because it's good? And do I want to honor people because it's good and God has put us together or not? And I just tell you, friends, someone's going to come in that's going to just love to just kind of Flick your nose, and you're going to have to decide, do I want to be family with them anyway? Do I want to love them anyway? Do I want to show them honor where I can? All right. That's why you become a partner, though, of this church. When we have our partnership class, our membership class, um, we say that we submit to the leadership of the elders when it's biblical, right? Um, but this also means to commit to honoring the others as it is honorable. And um, the moment you you have a family member that's not honoring God, you stand up to them in love, in peace. All right, as much as I desire to be honorable as your lead pastor, um, I encourage you, you as parents to do the same, to be honorable parents. And this is our third point. Be a parent worth honoring. Be a parent worth honoring. Um, and I'm going to talk just to our parents right now, but those of you who are not parents, Consider the fact that if we are family and there are people younger in this church, that you are much like a big brother or parent to our kids. Like many of you parent my kids, right? Many of you help with my kids. You see my kid falling off the stage. You see my kid like running into a brick wall. Like you have helped my kids because we are family. Um, so uh, the only way to submit this, uh, to do this is to submit your whole life to the one good father. And... Um, Interestingly enough, in Ephesians 6, 4, it says this verse that for some reason my spouse brings up to me. <laughs> Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I was fighting one of my kids on Friday because we had this thing where it was like, if you eat any more of that chocolate, you are going to throw up. And you are not allowed to wake me up because I still feel a little sick. You will not wake me up. If you throw up, you will take the trash can into your room and close the door if you eat any more chocolate. And so there was this like moment where it's like, okay, taking another bite of chocolate. And I just tell you, <laughs> it was like, it was me provoking my child to anger. And, and I did this like, oh, oh, you want more? Okay, fine. Just take some more, have some more and just throw up all over the place. I don't care. And we got to this, like, I mean, you're your pastor, right? Like, we got into this thing so bad that, that I had to just, I was like, I, I'm out. Because all I can do is provoke my child to anger right now and actually remove myself from the situation. Got into my bed, closed the door, and watched the Simpsons episode. Not, I didn't read my Bible, I promise you. Um, but be, because I had figured out at that point, I couldn't engage my child um, without provoking them to further anger. 
And, and, and the thing was, is the more I push my child that's like me, the more they're like, fine, I'll just eat eight candy bars. What? That's just like me. Um, I'm going to go to my friend's house and I'm going to eat like homemade churros. Um, so uh, parents, your children are not here for you to boss them around though. I know that it feels like that, but they are here so you can train them first in the ways of the Lord. Why do I feel fine not sending my kids to Christian school? Because um, I love sending them to a school where they can learn and hear about the rest of the world and they can come home and I can be their first authority in what's going on in the world and why the Bible informs the way the world responds to them. Um, Now, I'm just going to say this. Friends, if you raise nice kids who are good at school, who are good at business, who are good with money, that don't love Jesus, you are missing it. You're missing it. Of course, not all our kids will love Jesus. I get that. I'm not mad at you if you have kids that are not believers, okay? Don't hear that. But if we don't put God first in our families, we are failing them. If we tell them all these other things are important, if we show them all these other things are important, and then we say, yeah, 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 church is okay too, then we're teaching them church is okay too. And I ask them, I ask you, like, do we want our kids to to hear that? Now, you may say, well, you're a pastor, you have to say that. And I tell you, friends, it's a challenge for me every day. Um, It's a challenge when we took a Sunday off here, and I had to go, well, what am I going to do on Sunday? Am I going to show them that church is daddy's job, or am I going to show them that being with the church is is God's design for us? So you got to believe that my family was over at the 8 a.m. at Bayview Baptist worshiping. We had no idea they were going to call us up to the front and be like, pastor, family, come on up. But we did. And I wanted to show my kids that whether it's daddy's job or not, like God comes first in our family. The best way to honor our parents is to worship God and become honorable people, honorable parents as well. Now, parents, your children are watching you. My children are watching you because we're family. You are teaching them what is important in life by your actions, by your actions. The way you serve others, they are watching The way you welcome people different from you to your dinner table, your children and my children are watching. The way you treat your spouse or friends, the way you treat them, they are watching and they will emulate what you do. The best way to honor our parents is to worship God and become honorable people and honorable parents. Now, Matt Chandler, my BFF, I'm going to quote him twice today. Um, He says this, and and I've heard men disagree with me on this, and I don't don't care because I think it's awesome. Um, He says this. He says that men should be tired. He said that there's no time that's yours. Uh, You you can push back all you want on this, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm quoting a, a fallible man, not the Bible. But Chandler says, he says that when you wake up, that's God's time. When you go to work, that's your boss's time. He said when you get home, that's your kid's time. Play on the floor with them. And then when your kids go to bed, that's your wife's time. When you go to sleep, that's a man's time. And I just tell you, that may sound funny, it may seem ridiculous, but I, I want to be that way. I want to show my kids that they're important to me. I want to show um, those who, who uh, work for me or I work for that, that they're important to me. And I want to show my wife that she's important to me. And that's um, a great segue to, hey, we got this men's retreat coming up. You should really sign up. <laughs> um, that's not in my notes. But, and I want to say this. We have single moms in the house. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Um, the men in our church want to help to be positive role models for your children. Men, we have to be positive role models um, 
for these single moms. We have to help show uh, these kids what it means to be a husband who takes care of their wife. We have to show what it means to be a servant. And uh, single moms, we're just proud of you. And we thank you for being here, and we thank you for making a priority when it's really hard, okay? Um, we want to help you. Let us know. We are your family. Now, as far as like what we do, there's a great quote by James Baldwin. He says this, Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. The best way to honor our parents is to worship God and to become honorable people and perhaps honorable parents. Let me end with this um, and invite the band up. Our fourth, fourth point is this, get it wrong and trust Jesus. Get it wrong, trust Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example of the right type of submission, which is why we can trust that he is our perfect sacrifice. There's this moment when Jesus knows he is going to be killed on a cross in a bloody, awful way. It's going to be grisly, it's going to be nasty, and it's going to be long. And that the Father is going to turn his back on him, and he's going to be uh, in this place of awful death. And there's a moment before he goes to the cross where Jesus prays. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Cup means wrath. In the Bible, wrath is like, it's like a retribution. It's like revenge, okay? God's wrath is always used as a cup in the Bible. Jesus says, if you are willing, Father, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He is the right, um, he shows us what true godly submission looks like. Can we aspire to speak to our uh, Father in heaven the same way? I hope so. Now to the parents. Let me say this. Many of you have had parent, uh, kids walk away. Many of you have kids walk away, and you say, it's because of me. I'm a bad parent. But I tell you that there is a Father who loves them even more. And in the story of the prodigal son, we know that there was a, a child who walked away from his dad too and said he would rather spend his dad's inheritance, his dad's money, on prostitutes, on alcohol, on all these other things. Now, I don't need to tell you the whole story to know that he came back to his father, but the important thing to know here, those of you parents who have kids who maybe aren't walking with the Lord, um, well, who's the dad in that story? It's God. So if you want to say that your, your kids are not walking with the Lord just because you're a bad parent, well, I tell you to consider, was he a bad parent? Is God a bad parent? And I tell you, he is a good father who loves us. You probably can't be a better parent than God. And his children have disobeyed and fought against him for thousands and thousands of years. But he did something about it, didn't he? And we call it the gospel. That God looked upon the children who had disrespected him and sinned against him and sinned against his own, their own parents and decided to do what it takes to bring them into this family. So if you find yourself in a place where you've sinned against your parents, you've sinned against your father in heaven, I tell you there is hope. I tell you there's mercy for you. I tell you there is grace and it is freely available to you. Why? Not because of anything you did, but because there's a father in heaven who sent his son in perfect submission, to live a perfect life for you because he loved you and he died for you on the cross showing that you were important to him. But when he died on the cross, he, something else happened. He rose again on the third day, conquering sin and death, showing that he's more powerful than sin and death because he, he stood up. Oh, death, where is your sting? I don't feel it anymore. 
That is the beauty of the gospel, friends. And I tell you, today, we have that opportunity. We have that opportunity every day to say, you know what? There's a few of you today that I think maybe need to say, God, I I want you to be my good father. I want to give my life to you. There's a few of you who may say today, God, help me to be a better parent. I've been a bad one. There's a few of you who might say, help me to be a better son or a better daughter because I've been an awful one. And there's a few of you who may feel like, God, help me to be a better family member in the family that you call church. Help, help me to be around. Help, people to know my, help me to let people know my true sins and my true self. And if that's you, I ask you to go to God in prayer. Ask him for forgiveness and choose a better way. So in this moment of silence, we're going to confess our sins to God, to ourselves. Um, so let's, let's confess to God right now. God, we thank you that you have made a better way. That as much as we've tried to be perfect, we're just really bad at it. And and yet we see that you are good and you cared enough about us to do something. Um, God, for those who suffer today, I pray that you would help them not to be be triggered by all this conversation about good and bad parents, but God, that you would help them to understand how much you love them and that you are a good father that cares. God, God, Thank you for forgiving us that as far as the east is from the west, so our sin is from your sight. We thank you for seeing the goodness of your son, Jesus, when you look upon us. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.